Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Game week, boys. Let's go. Uh, let's do it. Yeah, it, it's been a while since uh, we've seen some good football. And I'm not counting what happened this past weekend. Um, we'll, we'll get to uh, the Nebraska-Illinois game in, in a little bit, but uh, that's not what's forefront on our minds. Uh, easily, it's Michigan State. Friday night, 8 o'clock Central. Let's go, boys. It, it's it's game week. Um, we got Let- two deep. We got a, a press conference, um, all that noise, and oh, it's been a long wait, but we're here. It's the launch of the of the uh, disrespect revenge tour part due. Yeah, seriously. Exactly, and I'm just like, we'll we'll get there. I'm just saying, it's just like that that betting line for this game is moving like last year didn't happen. And I know when everyone's saying last year didn't happen, they're saying Michigan State won last year. We'll get to that. We're we're gonna get into it. Yeah. So. I believe the the line opened at Northwestern by seven and it's dropped down to three with like 80% of the money coming in on Michigan state. So sharp, sharpity, sharp, sharp, sharp. Yeah. There, there is zero respect for Northwestern. And Chris Bergen said it today, you know, at, in the, in the press conference, he said, you know, you got to earn respect and we haven't earned respect yet. And, and we're going to, um, you know, that, that's the sort of confidence I love to hear from a captain. Um, a guy who's, who knows, like he, he knows and like, they all know that we're not, like, we're not in a position where we have earned the, the respect, have well, no idea why that, that, that's the thing that surprised me. It's like, I don't know why it's, I know people, we haven't, but I don't know why it's cause people are dumb. This is, this is the same people that, that were, you know, co- talking consistently through a national broadcast game on last Saturday that were surprised that Illinois was beating Nebraska after Illinois beat Nebraska by 20 last year in Lincoln. And both teams were marginally like mostly the same, except for the fact that they traded Levy Smith for Brett Bielema. Like it's, it's, it's laundry and it's, and it's dumb. I I will say what's kind of exciting about it from Northwestern standpoint that like we all hate the disrespect, but here's, what's great. If you watched uh, good American fun, um, or good, good clean, clean American, American fun. fun. Yeah. Oh uh, my God. The the, NU, so good. Uh, the 2020 documentary that Northwestern Studios put out. Like you heard exactly how Pat Fitzgerald leverages this disrespect in every halftime, pregame, postgame meeting at at practice, etc. Like this is catnip for him and this team. And like in some ways, I would rat like. I would almost rather it be this way. I, I can stomach the disrespect if we're going to be able to use it. This is this is where Fitz is at his best. He's at his very best in these kind of situations because you're absolutely right. That's what he's able to bottle because it's like I'm glad I'm glad Chris Bergen feels that way. It's BS. Like this team has earned <laughs> yeah, <it is>. boatloads <laughs> of respect. I'm glad he feels that way. I'm glad Fitz is. It's I mean it's so stupid. We're gonna get into it. You can't, none of you listening at home can prove to me that the entire defense we're going to roll out based on this first team depth chart uh, against Michigan State to open the game didn't start multiple full series in the Citrus Bowl. 
You just don't know that that's not true. It might be not true, but every one of these dudes played so much meaningful time, uh, specifically in that game, with the possible exception of the linebackers. Um, and and that, Sam Dump Miller, who missed, and, who skipped last and, season, but. and Sam Dump, who's you know, uh, you know, who cares about that? Not guy. worried about him. Yeah, he's at all. He's only he's only maybe our best defensive lineman. Exactly. So um, it's. It's the squad that's walking out has already earned so much respect. The idea that they feel like they still need to prove it again is exactly the way you want to be. Fold that in with a little revenge and then uh, push that line the wrong way. Yep, that's exactly what we want. Just keep pushing it. So, you know, let, let's get into it. I, I think we should probably start with, um, you know, you've listened to our offensive preview. You live, you've listened to our defensive preview. You've hopefully listened to all of our uh, preseason summer previews. Uh, it's been a minute since our Michigan State preview, and I, if I recall correctly, you know, there's a lot we don't know about Michigan State. They had got 40 new faces via transfer or you know freshman. It's it's a ton of new faces, and they haven't. As we're recording this on Monday night, I have not seen an official too deep uh, for Michigan State yet. You know, we've seen a couple projections, but. Still not 100% sure, but so, you know, not being able to officially go in on them, we can you definitely can... make make our guesses on what we're going to see from them. So we want to so... start with us, right? We yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, we should talk about the captains, and I, I think that that's definitely, a, you know, a good a good launch point. You know, we found out middle of last week that uh, the captains were announced. Sam Garrick... Hunter Johnson, Joe Spivak, Chris Bergen, and Brandon Joseph. A couple, couple former walk-ons. Um, your starting quarterback, which is very telling, I think. And, yeah. and we talked about this. The fact that the team has elected Hunter Johnson to be the captain, which we didn't didn't happen two years ago in 2019. No, notably, didn't happen two years yeah. ago. And I, I this is a good springboard. Like I know we just did the offensive preview. You know, let me riff for 30 seconds here on, on some of the differences and the things that were that I'm trying, you know, kind of inferring from what we see here on, on the 2D. But, um, you know, I, I I didn't mention Garrick's name on uh, on our offensive preview. And that's not because I don't think very highly of him. It just, you know, he he's he was an awesome center last year. He's going to be an awesome center again this year. Uh, and it makes all the sense in the world that he's a captain. You know, again, if you've if you've seen any any of the film, any of the tape, any of the the videos that Northwestern's been putting out on Twitter, et cetera, this guy is clearly the leader of that offensive line. You know, the young players like Skaronsky and Preeb, uh, Rather all look up to him, and um, you know, I, we are wildly excited about this offensive line, um, the attitude, the culture that they've built under Kurt Anderson. And, you know, despite some of the, the statistical oddities from last year, we think this is ultimately the strength and the heart of the offense. Hunter being named captain is huge as well. Um, you've seen clips of him from practice. I think we've talked about, you know, Bajakian's number one job when he got to Northwestern was fix Hunter Johnson. Happened to get, you know, Ramsey and fall into his lap uh, to make last year work, but it's given him plenty of time uh, to work with Hunter. And, like, I don't think there's any way they give him this job. Certainly not three weeks in advance if he wasn't showing out and, and presenting a much you know smarter mental approach to the game and practice. But a couple of the things you know the, the O line looks 
pretty much exactly like we expected. Um, some concern at tackle, you know, Caleb Tiernan is it is is listed there as a backup in the two deep, which um, makes a lot of sense given how huge of a uh, of a young man he is. Uh, running back, as we expected, Evan Hall's named the starter. Um, you know, he's he's got the most tenure and experience with the team. I don't think that means anything in terms of like how the carries are going to bear out. We're going to see. I expect all three of those guys, Tyus, Claire, and Hall on set on Friday night. Oh yeah. Um, the surprises for me are, are in the wide receivers and tight ends. And I guess it's not surprises, but you see Charlie Mangieri and Trey Pugh listed at tight end. We expected Mangieri. I thought Thomas Gordon, uh, would be on here. I can't imagine you're not going to see all three of them play. Gordon and Pugh are, are carbon copies of each other in terms of pedigree and size and and their skill set. We should, we should make a point here too. And again, I don't want it to be this way. I'm just saying, Trey Pugh's been listed on a lot of depth charts over the past couple of years, and we have not seen a lot of Trey Pugh. He's he's really struggled with injuries, and and I mean the other thing we didn't we didn't really say this before we said we we're going to launch into the two deep, and that's that like Fitz ain't given it away anything away on a two deep, you know? Yeah, right, right. Like people are looking at this and trying to say like, oh, does this mean we're going to be four three instead of three four? Like, I, Fitz could be you know who knows what he could be switching to a five, two, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't know it based on, based on this. He's interested Scott, in Scott, Fro- Scott Frost has all but demanded that all, <laughs> all coaches say nothing about their scheme going forward this season. Yes. Uh, yes. John, I thought we were waiting to dunk on sorry, Nebraska until later. Sorry, Come on. Sorry. Sorry. Um, well, a- anyways, the, 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 you know, so, so Mangieri, you know, it, it'd be great to see Pew. He was a, he was a, awesome recruit we've been excited to see him on the field for three years and it just hasn't happened because of injury hopefully we do get to see him and then starters you know stefan robinson no no doubt no surprise there bryce kurtz no doubt no surprise there berkeley holman gets the, gets the listing as the third wide out he's got probably the most experience um outside of of triple j of the other guys that's the notable one name missing i think if you listen to the offensive preview if you read inside and use expectations for the offense like Triple J was a name that, given his um, prowess and, and what he's shown in the past as a as a deep threat for Northwestern in the 2018 and 2019 seasons, that he would be featured here. He's not. I don't know that that means he's not going to play, but it also might mean that he's banged up or not right. We'll just we'll just have to see how it plays out. The other yeah, notable we'll, name we'll, fi- we'll find out on Friday. I mean, like yeah. like you said, it's a two deep. We're going to see a lot of these guys. We are. The, the other notable name missing is Wayne Dennis. Um, again, I think we'll see him, to your point, Sam. But then Genson Hooper-Price listed in the two-deep. He was listed in the two-deep last year, first game for Maryland, and we never saw him all season, um, or, or we didn't really see him. So, you know, that's a guy that we've been super intrigued to see hit the field. Maybe we'll get him this year. Yeah, I think the everything you said is right. And I think, again, it's like all these dudes – that you see on this page for offense are all good. They're all going to play, except again, I'm, I'm knocking wood as I say this, but Pew is a guy who's been listed on a lot of depth charts who we've wanted to see, and then we haven't seen him. But And then, right, you can go beyond this to be like, if Dennis and Triple J are healthy, expect to see them too. Um, Thomas Gordon, if he's healthy, expect to see him too. Um, I'll tip my hat to Scuzz, who pegged this starting, lo- this starting offensive line left to right, and further, I think kind of you know said and and you've already said it today that i think we probably expect that the first man in is probably ben rather 
he's probably the sixth man at this point. The fact that he's listed at center um, actually kind of supports that because reports are that he's been taking reps at center, guard, tackle. He's been all over the place. Um, big, you know, he was a big recruit, picked us over Penn State. Um, the ability to play multiple positions. You might see him, the you know, Payne Abair, Dom D'Antonio, Conrad Rowley. These are all good offensive linemen. The depth is great. And yeah, to see Tiernan on that offensive tackle depth chart this early speaks to, you know, just how big a, of, a, of a recruit and a talent that he is. So yeah, the, yeah, offensive depth chart is what we expected it was going to be with a few minor things. Um, but expect at least this many guys to play. Um, there, There's going to be a lot going on. Well, the one other thing I want to call out is, you know, we, we saw a ton of two tight end sets last year, and it's mm-hmm. just because we had a true pass catcher in John Rain. Um, Pugh or Gordon can fill that role. I expect to see a lot of double tight end sets, uh, which means you're going to see, you know, three tight ends, I think, on the field, like play, like play right? Like three guys rotating through. Um, it's going to be really interesting how they mix and match with those wideouts. Uh, the other thing worth noting, and this is like seeing – Holman, Nero, and Malik Washington's names all on the page here. Um, but Jake has talked a lot about, especially, you know, not having Cam Porter, having more youth on the team overall, um, focusing on short passes, getting the ball out of Hunter Johnson's hands fast, taking advantage of what Hunter is good at. I think you're going to see a lot of moving pockets and, you know, trying to roll Hunter away from pressure, get him comfortable. This offense is going to look very similar to the Northwestern offenses you have seen in the last few years early on. I think it's going to be running a pretty conservative short passing game, um, but the devil's in the details of once they get comfortable, once they establish something, play action, and starting to throw some of those intermediate and or deep routes, you know, that's where a Kurtz, a Price, even even a Washington or a Holman or and, and Robinson, Robinson, most especially yeah. – become really interesting. I know everybody is dying to see Northwestern bomb the ball down the field. It's not what we're going to get on the first drive, um, but bet your bottom dollar. We will see it in this game um, at some point. Uh, Defensively, again, I think this is pretty much what we expected. Um, I mean, for for the most part. I mean, it's what we expected. Okay. We spent all this time talking about the amount of personnel you were going to see, the different sets that we might see all that out of. But still, to see it on paper, I mean, I, I sure hope this defense can make up two missing linebackers and a cornerback. Sure hope we can pull that off. I mean, I Jeffrey Pooler, Jeremy Mazur, Tara Edwards, and Devin O'Rourke is listed as the backup defensive line. Jordan Butler isn't even on this too deep. Our backup secondary is Garnett Hollis, A.J. Hampton, Jaheim Joseph, and Coco Azima. That's the backup secondary. There's a Gallagher in the backup linebacker core. I'm like, if you trotted out the whole second team defense, I wouldn't hate it. It's well, we, to, we to, are to be so- fair, to be fair, uh, Kylie Jones or Bryce Gallagher. Robert oh, yeah. or AJ Hampton, Bryce Jackson or Coco Azima. So well, what's and what's so funny is too, we talked about the front seven. We threw out a sample four three front seven, and I'm pretty sure it was this sample four three Spot on. front seven. Yeah. It was it was these seven guys. Which is again, not to say we are locked in on these seven guys. We love these seven guys. We love like Jason Gold and Jordan Butler are not listed on this depth chart. 
I cannot overstate how stacked this defense is. I, I'm just, I'm at a loss. The idea that people think that having to replace, granted, a couple fantastic linebackers is going to submarine a group that is 30 guys deep. I don't know what to tell you. There are so many flipping guys here. We and, not, obviously... and not 30 new guys like Michigan Ex- State. Oh, my God. This this is what I said off the top. Like, with the exception of Khaled Jones and Pete McIntyre, and with a giant asterisk, Sam Dup Miller, all of these guys logged heavy minutes in the Citrus Bowl. Um, they're, these guys are so battle-tested. And I think, and the thing is, Jones and McIntyre are such veterans and have been around for such a long period of time. Um, and, and again, having such a massive veteran presence to anchor the linebacker core is just a huge thing that, again, a ton of people would kill for. Chris Bergen's one of the best linebackers in the Big Ten. So the idea that we're doing like a whole over, just overhaul of this linebacker core is not true. We return one massive piece. But again, it's like, you know, a lot of people talked about <clears throat> the fact that right after we spent so much time talking about A.J. Hampton, he was announced as um, uh, basically the number three cornerback. And I, I have thoughts on that. I'm going to table them until we actually get specifically into the Michigan State discussion. But the short of it is, I, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, this this group is absolutely stacked northwestern has so much flipping talent that the rest of the conference would kill to have okay like it's the real deal we've been doing this for a decade and i'm telling you northwestern is stacked at a level you haven't seen before i just want to like this is this is definitely tinfoil hat time but um not tinfoil hat time, but like I want to speculate a little bit on the stuff you talked about in your defensive preview, John, regarding scheme. And to me, the map is clear here. You just got to know how to look for it. So first of all, Jeffrey Pooler and Jeremy Mazer, two guys you highlighted as three, four scheme fits. Mazer in particular has a bunch of experience playing three, four scheme listed here on the two deep. I think that's telling, especially some of the other names that you highlighted that are not on here. Um, the or at middle linebacker, like swap swap out, you know, Spivak and Kent and and Miller for Pooler and Mazer, and then just slide Bryce Gallagher up onto the starting line. There's your three four lineup. Now I don't know that it's going to look exactly like that, but that like you don't have to squint very hard to see that. And then secondly, we talked a lot about how Northwestern loves to put a fifth defensive back on the field. It's generally been a safety in the last few years. The or between Jackson and Azima and the or between Hurd and Hampton, those are both ands. At some point, those we're going to see yes, ands there. Absolutely. On Friday night. And that's by design. And it's, you know, Hampton might be, you know, CB3, but that's like CB3 with an asterisk. You are going to see him play a lot this year. You're going to see a lot of Azima and Jackson and Joseph on the field at the same time. It's it, it's it's a phenomenal look. I mean, you think think about how good of a tackler AJ Hampton is. What you need your nickel set to be able to do is stop the run with five defensive backs. Do you have any concerns about tackling from that that set of you know uh, seven guys no. whittled down to five? No, not not in the least. And again, I'm just like we're. There, I can go at this from so many different ways, but like there are a ton of people not listed on this too deep 
who listeners, you know, kind of came at us for not mentioning in the defensive preview. Cullen Coleman, Grayson Mann. Um, like, again, all of the tackles we already talked about, right? Um, Michael Jancy. There are so many guys here. And I'm like, again, it's just like we're, you know, Michigan State is what they are. But I mean, it's just like Joe Spivak, our starting defensive tackle, chose to walk on at Northwestern instead of a scholarship from Michigan State. Do not mistake for a second. Joe Spivak would be starting a defensive tackle for Michigan State. Let me assure you of that. Um, and instead, he's starting for us. Um, so, again, I this this defense, you know, we made a veiled allusion to to the Death Star today, but I mean, there's it's just there's depth for days here, and and we've had times right historically, Northwestern I would say has had more depth in the front seven, but not in the secondary. You know, we've had lean years at corner that go back, you know, that bit us a couple times. That just doesn't exist now. Like there's not a position here. I know we have to take a test run on a couple linebackers and find the best fits across different packages. That will work itself out. And we have an absolute stud anchoring the unit while we figure those things out. And everywhere else on the field, it's just absolutely stacked. So it, again, it, I'm like, it, it's such a salient point because there has always been a, a butt in, in these defensive views of Northwestern in years past, like we've got Newsom, but we're not sure who's playing opposite him. Well, Mitchell Hurd and Hampton all saw significant time last year and excelled right on the field. Uh, same thing at safety. All three of those guys played and were good. Uh, I, I, I can't remember if it was last year or two years ago, but there was a lot of concern around uh, defensive tackle depth. I think that was two years ago. <laughs> not a problem anymore. Um, post Gaziano, there was questions about who was going to step up, and you saw Adeware play really, really well last year. Sam Dup, you know, has that track record. Like, there's, it, it's, it's, it's a really important call out relative to years past, where there's always been a group that's kind of like, a, "Ooh, I'm not so sure about that," and like, like I guess linebacker is the place where that's, well, that's a concern, and I just well, am the, not only because you're you're replacing two guys who were just mainstays and never left the field. Yeah. Right, right. And it's like there's plenty of guys itching to try. And of course, there's you sh- you should be looking at this, right? Clear-eyed and being like, where does this team get sacks? Where indeed? That's where Jim O'Neill is going to earn his paycheck and we're going to get to find out exactly what his plans are here. But again, so I'm like, you know, I there's I we we've talked about this at length. Scuzz talked about it at length in the offensive preview. But I feel like most of the questions and worries we have about this team are on the offensive side of the ball, and they are worries that portend to the wear and tear of a season, not the opening game. And I think we're feeling very good about this entire unit that's going to be taking the field against Michigan State. Uh, speaking of Michigan State, um, you know we we previewed we previewed them a, a couple months ago. So since then. We have we learned anything new about them? I mean, like I said, they're, they're still not 100% sure. Is it Peyton Thorne or Anthony Russo uh, going to you know start for them? Does it make a difference? How different are those two guys? The the, the answer is they don't know. Right. So so here's a couple couple thoughts. Um, and I've I've 
I've read like seven different Michigan State preview articles today, so I apologize. My head's a little a little crammed here, but um, the report out of camp as of yesterday is that, or of 6 a.m. this morning, so you know yesterday is that Thorne and Russo are neck and neck. Um, they've been the clear front runners since the spring. Uh, Russo is new to Michigan State, having come in over, come over from Temple last year. He only played three games. They went one and six. Uh, he was the primary starter in 2019 when they went eight and five. Um, he's a big dude. He's like six foot four, 230 pounds. He, he's a horse. Um, Thorne is more of your, you know, typical, you know, still like large size pro style QB, but, but not, you know, not someone that I'm concerned is going to bowl over any of our defenders. Um, and they're just, you know, they're figuring it out. Like, Russo's got way more experience, but I think Thorne's probably got a bit more upside, and it's just going to be really interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if we see both. Uh, I think that's, you know, extremely plausible. The um, the big news, however, uh, well, so for, first a little more a little more interesting, you know, just insight from, from camp and stuff. So um, when I talked about the running back position at Michigan State when we did our preview, uh, they are they're kind of loaded at running back. They got a ton of guys. They got Elijah Collins coming back. Uh, they've got um, Connor Hayward coming back. Uh, these these guys, you know, each led the team in rushing one of the last two years. They, they haven't had the same guy lead in rushing in a long time. This year, they get a transfer in Kenneth Walker, who's coming from Wake Forest, and I I guess the thought is he's going to be the starter, and he's kind of like a do it all kind of back, you know, less. Um, less just direct power oriented like some of those other guys. So that's going to be interesting. It's, it's probably still going to be a strength, but the big change, the big change from my preview, uh, uh, like what, two months ago. Yeah. A couple months ago. I talked about Michigan state's receivers and how they've recruited really well, but you know, they've got three, four star receivers that they've recruited in the last, you know, on this team, one of them's playing, one of them is transferred and the other's buried in the depth chart. Well, the one that was playing, Ricky White, ain't with the team anymore. We don't know why. We don't know what's going on. But the guy that put up 200 yards against Michigan last year in the second game of the season ain't there anymore, and he's the one I was most worried about. They still have Jalen Naylor, who's really good, had that long touchdown against us last year. They still have Jaden Reed, you know, another fast dude, these these guys combined for almost a thousand yards receiving between the two of them last year. They were pretty much everything from a receiving perspective for for Michigan State after that that uh, that game against Michigan. But that's about it, and it's it's like interesting. Every preview you read is like, oh, they bring back Naylor and Reed. These guys are awesome. That you know they're going to be one of the best duos in the Big Ten. And I just I can't help looking at it being like, they're six foot six foot guys that are pretty fast, but. They're kind of the same. You, you listen to the Michigan State offensive coordinator, and he's he's a Bajakian guy. Like it, it's all about multiple and disguise and tight ends and and being able to move pieces around and create matchup issues. They don't have the weapons to do that, and I think it's going to make their offense like relatively easier to defend. Now that doesn't mean that they don't have speed and power and good guys in the in, in at running back and a strong offensive line, a very strong offensive line. But we're not we're not seeing something here that really like puts the fear of God into you. Well, as long as we're talking about something that doesn't put the fear of God into you, let me jump right in on the defensive side of the ball. Um, nothing, ain't nothing changed yeah. here. Yeah. Might, might I, might I add by way of transition that um, 
The offense wasn't great last year, but they still scored like 24 plus points in four of their seven games. That that weren't exactly the problem for Michigan State in 2020. No, I like so again. I'm not going to spend too much time on the defense. I have kind of something else I want to talk about um, relative to Michigan State. It's what we said it was going to be during the summer preview. It's the same guys. Um, it's it's a group of Michigan State linebackers that might come together. Um, a group of cornerbacks that might come together. And if a fantastic linebacker emerges and a fantastic cornerback emerges, kind of, um, which, you know, could happen. It represents the very upper end of expectations, best possible expectations for Michigan State. Then that will put them right back where they were last year because they don't have Antoine Simmons anymore. and They don't have Shakur Brown anymore. And there are no big names jumping out that are look like they are just going to fill the roles of those two guys. They have a great secondary, I mean, a great safety in Xavier Henderson. That's the best player on the team and a really mediocre defensive line. And this is something that I've had a lot of thoughts rolling around about this relative to a bunch of different teams, etc. But I, I get annoyed when there's this talk about Oh, Northwestern's turning over so much. And again, we've all, if you're a Northwestern fan, you've already been hearing it and you're annoyed about it. We're all annoyed about it. Oh, look at, you know, lack of returning production, blah, blah, blah. You know what's worse than lack of returning production? Returning all the guys who weren't good. Like, for example, Michigan State's entire defensive line's pretty much back and they were not great last year. And it's like, they weren't like, it's not like, oh, well, these guys only played at the end of the year. Nope, they played the whole year. Um, they're not just going to magically, like, there's this idea that like, oh, but now they're all one class ahead. No, it's the same guys. They didn't like play one game and now they're finally seeing the field and whatever. Like, they didn't like go to some Zen temple and just evolve in the off season. It's the same dudes. And you can hear Sam Garrick talked about it on the media day today. He's like, he's saying all the right things, right? Oh, you know, we expect that they're going to be better than they were last year. Like, that's code for they weren't good last year. And the Trench Cats expect to plow into them. Um, so, again, it's like, this ain't a vintage Michigan State defense. It returns pieces. Henderson is the biggest piece. They're not bad at linebacker. They're young. They turn over a lot. Um, but there is talent there. They're okay in the secondary, and they're very mediocre on the defensive line. And that's it. It's the same thing we talked about in the summer. It's the same guys. What I did kind of want to talk about, though, and I think coming out of our defensive preview and Tom, coming out of our offensive preview, we've been hearing a lot of talk from people who are like, I want to match your optimism. I really do. I've just been snake bitten in the past. I'm worried you guys are too positive on this team. And I'm kind of like, look, like if you guys have been listening to us for a while, you know that we're not, we're not, we don't shine just for the sake of shining. If something's rotten in the state of Denmark, we're going to let you guys know. There are notable examples of this that I'm not going to get into, but it's like, I, Basketball I feel like, season. I, yeah, I feel like we've <laughs> I feel like we've built up a track record, right? Where we're we're gonna try to the best of our ability to give it to you straight. But the flip side of that is we're not gonna reverse jinx just for the sake of doing a reverse jinx. If we think we have the better team, we're gonna tell you. And we think we have the better team. And I think one of the crazy things about last season, and we talked about it in the summer, we talked about it. 
after the game happened and it's again i feel like you guys can respect us as straight shooters enough to know that this isn't you know this isn't spoiled milk this isn't sour grapes northwestern was clearly the better team in that michigan state game those teams were the kind of teams that they were the rest of the year in that game um the difference was we had two horrible coverage errors in the first quarter of that game and shakur brown Got away with a push-off that, again, he's an awesome cornerback, and those are the kind of things awesome cornerbacks get away with, and got himself an interception that he returned a long way. And that was Michigan State's point, and that was Michigan State's 17 points. From that point on, Northwestern dominated that football game. You guys need to understand that with 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter of the game, Northwestern called a jet sweep to Kyrick McGowan. And The moment that ball touched Kyrick McGowan's hands, he was looking at a flat-footed defensive end who was about to get dusted to the perimeter, a a corner, a slot corner, Riley Lees was sealing on, and he was looking at one-on-one with Shakur Brown in the second level. At the moment that ball touched his hands, the most likely scenario for that game was that Northwestern was going to win 27-17, on 27 unanswered points. But he dropped the ball and we know what happened from that point on. It was that kind of game. And I think the flip side of, you know, the thing that I was talking about where the, the these fallacies of lack of returning production, etc. Um, I think, you know, not to go to, you know, it's like we've tried to kind of dance around this and because it's like you... A guy that you love. We did the same thing with Isaiah Bowser, right? It's like a guy you love that you've been to war with, etc. You, we take so much from him that we try. You know, we don't want to think about the rough two years that he had. You know, that came after 2018, right? Cam Ruiz is the same thing, and I think we can look back now and understand that part of the reason that Cam Mitchell. A.J. Hampton, Rod Hurd had less starts than they did was because Cam Ruiz started the majority of the, of the games outside at cornerback. And especially early on in the season, that did not go well. And there were two major, there were two major games where the Iowa game and the Michigan State game, where Northwestern basically had to make an adjustment in-game because of things that were going on on the outside. Wait, John— and, you're telling me you're allowed to make adjustments mid-game? Yes, I know. It's fascinating. I know. Huh. Uh, I, Maybe someone should uh, call Scott Frost on that. I was going to say, unless you're Scott Frost. Um, Wait, you, you don't have to submit your plays ahead of time? Like, like I, a gymnastics I, routine? I, I, I know. Someone was supposed to tell Brett Bielema he was supposed to tell Scott Frost exactly what he planned on running. Um, but in any in any case. I guess he I guess he should have sent the tape from like when he was coach at Wisconsin, maybe? Like right. a heads up. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I spent like nearly a decade running a three, four. Yeah. yeah. Um, Last time I was in the big 10. Yeah. Um, but in any case, we've watched a lot of tape. And so for example, the Iowa game, Greg Newsom did not play in the Iowa game. He was hurt. And it became really clear early on that things were going wrong, you know, with Cam Ruiz on the outside. And that game was really early in the season. And Hankwitz, you can see adjusted by being like, I guess I've got to go zone. I don't want to, but I got to throw a bunch more zone. And it was a problem early on in the game. And part of that was because Rod Hurd was so young. And Hankwitz was like, I don't know what I have with these guys who've never played before. Um, I've got to try to back off until I can figure this out. 
Well, we all know the same thing happened writ large in the Michigan State game. Cam Ruiz just had a game that, you know, it was rough enough that he never really recovered from a depth chart perspective after that point. And he was beat twice for two touchdowns, and that was that was the hole. And in that situation, you can see the difference that it evolved to that point in the season because Newsom was back in that game, and you could see Mike Hankowitz being like, I'm not flipping going to a zone when I have two of the 10 best secondary players in the country in my secondary. That's ridiculous. And basically went to Rod Hurd and was like, good luck, son. Uh, AJ Hampton, you two. It's going to be you two on the outside. We're not changing the scheme. You guys better buckle up because it's time to get some reps. And that's what happened. And we know, not unlike when Charlie Schmidt had to go in against Wisconsin at guard, right, that when guys are thrown into the fire, whether they're good or not, right off the bat, it's a mixed bag. And it was a mixed bag with both of those guys. And I think the thing is, though, now we know, right, that I think if we could go back and do it in hindsight, our top four cover corners, right, from last season are Greg Newsom, Cam Mitchell, A.J. Hampton, and Rod Hurd. And we still have three of those guys. And I think, you know, Cam Ruiz was a fantastic nickel um, who, you know, uh, Greg Newsom called the best nickel in the country, unbelievable attacking player, unbelievable special teamer, unbelievable guy against the run, right? Fantastic athlete. Um, but coverage on the outside was just not his forte. And all three of the four best guys at that thing come back to this team this year. So the flip side of like this whole you know, fallacy of like returning production and everything is like Northwestern's ready in that spot. And I just, I guess I, I think about things like that. And I think about the fact that people just want to ignore the team that Michigan state was last year, the team that Northwestern was last year, the teams they were in that game. If you were willing to actually watch what was going on, and then are willing to spot all the ground Michigan State needs to meet to make up, and all the ground Northwestern has to give up, um, and are, are just willing to to done you know make that done and dusted. And I just don't subscribe to any of that at all. Well, there's there's a really important factor, and you you touched on it when you talked about McGowan and that jet sweep and that fumble, right? And turnovers are the great equalizer. Um, in that game last year, we lost two fumbles and threw two picks. And Michigan State only threw one interception. And when you lose the turnover battle that poorly, like right. you're going to be hard-pressed to win the game. Michigan State as a team last year, net minus nine in turnovers, despite being plus three against us. So that means they were minus 12 in their other six games. Northwestern last year, plus four in turnovers, meaning we were plus seven in the rest of our games. And, and I want to call this out because... This is a, a, you know, you've heard me talk glowingly about Hunter Johnson and what I expect to see based on what I'm reading between the lines from the coaches, et cetera. In 2019, Northwestern was minus 10 in turnover margin. And it's because Hunter and Aiden Smith really struggled to not throw interceptions. If that happens again, like Northwestern's going to have a bad season. Their offense is going to be a problem. If the quarterbacks are throwing picks, if the team is fumbling the ball, like all the talent in the world ain't going to fix that. Right. I mean, just look at Adrian Martinez. (laughs) And so, like, I say that because 
if we go into this game against Michigan State on Friday night, we all definitely believe, you've heard it, we all believe Northwestern is a superior team. Like, full stop. If we fumble, if we lose two fumbles and throw two picks and Michigan State only, you know, turns it back over once, like, that's a recipe for Northwestern losing this game, and it's really incumbent upon Hunter Johnson and the offense Mm -hmm. to, to protect the ball. Our defense is going to create turnovers. It's what they've been doing for years. I, that is not going to change with you know going from Hankowitz to O'Neill. Um, that's a that's a Fitz mentality that's been there from day one. If our offense doesn't protect the ball, Northwestern is going to be bad in 2021. If I'm and if I'm Michigan State, right, I'm going after Hunter with everything yep. that I've got. That's that's the attack, right? Because I think every other team is looking and being like, we don't you know we don't think he's a proven commodity. We need to see it before we believe it. And they're going to probably, you're going to see a lot of blitzing. They're probably going to be a lot of single man. Michigan State's going to sell out. Like, I can't stress enough, right, that Michigan State is in this position right now where Indiana's coming for their place in the upper echelon of the conference. And these are dire times for Michigan State right now. Like, they've got to level out right now. And there, you know, and there are not, there is not this murderer's role. Like you've heard us talk, they've got some good linebacker. I mean, some good running backs, but there are no, like there are not stars here that we're just highlighting that are going to emerge. Like Michigan state needs to sell out and find it. So yeah, I expect that they're going to throw the kitchen sink at Hunter and the, the turnovers that Scuzz is talking about, they're going to try to load up on those. The flip side and, is, and, and yeah. that is what's going to make the, the short passing game so important yep Mm -hmm. that's how you neutralize that right out of the gate and that allows you to do more with your offense hopefully it leaves some running room for claire and hall i i will say this right well that's that's true right and i think one of the things that we saw with bajakian is that he's able to get creative with the short passing game and find ways to to make it work and make a quarterback comfortable because the thing is if i'm michigan state i'm like until proven otherwise, I'm assuming they're going to try to help Hunter Johnson here. So again, rolling everybody up and then like, but again, and that's where like you remember, oh yeah, but we have one of the fastest players in the big 12 coming over to our team and we have a quarterback who can throw the ball a country mile and Michigan state doesn't have their best cornerback from last year anymore. So, I mean, it's like, we are, you know, there are all these things are on the table, but if, I j- if, if the game starts well on, on Friday night and by well, I mean, you know, Northwestern, like maybe they don't score in their first possession, but you know, on the first couple possessions at some point, they're able to move the ball a little bit with these short passes. They're able to neutralize some of that defensive attack. What watch for the double move, right. watch for Stefan Robinson to make a double move, a pump and go. John, you referenced it from that UNLV game. This is a very different defense from UNLV, but like, that dude has the talent. I mean, again, we saw him dust Oklahoma secondary off the line on the outside for a touchdown. Um, we've seen him on tape go over the middle and could make contested catches in the end zone. Like this dude can do it all. And if if Hunter's able to find some comfort and some some time and space out there against what I agree is likely to be an aggressive pass rush and uh, blitz package for Michigan state. Look out. Right. Absolutely. And again, I like to come back to this again, this ain't the greatest defense in the world. Okay. It still has vestiges of some of the best things from 
that holdover D'Antonio culture. It is not one of the worst defenses in the conference. They do have some pieces here, but this is not like one of the units we're going to be playing in the West in the back half of the season. Like, never forget how bad of a football team this was this year, last year. And the idea that this is all going to magically fix itself in game one of this season, uh, I just don't see it. Like, respect the pedigree of these two teams. Respect the excellence one of these teams exhibited all last season and the futility the other team exhibited all last season. Um, and the way that was true for three quarters of the game we played against them. And, you know, you should expect that one of these teams has to work really hard to get up to the other team's level, especially when the other team's super pissed and out for revenge in this game um, at home. And again, it all it all adds up uh, in favor of the Cats for me. Like, again, I'm not trying to not be clear-headed here, but I just... I don't know what everyone else is seeing. Like to me, everything tells you that the cats are the better team here. Uh, so I, I want to move on. Um, just, you know, we're just over the moon excited uh, for Friday night. We've got a West lot parking spot. So come by, look for the red pirate flag. Come say, Hey, we're going to be there tailgating before the game. Um, we'd love to see as many of you as we possibly can. Uh, so come track us down. <clears throat> um, I want I want to talk about week zero. I want to talk about Nebraska and Illinois. I want to talk about some of the, like there's some really fun games this weekend, uh, both in the conference and nationally. I just that we want to touch on real quick. But before we do that, you know we want to give a we want to give our thoughts on you know make some predictions. Um, you know we we've gone through the schedule. Uh, what 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 do we think? I mean. What's what is a reasonable expectation? Uh, so Michigan State, Indiana State, at Duke, Ohio, at Nebraska, Rutgers, at Michigan, Minnesota, Iowa, at Wisconsin, Purdue at Wrigley Field, and then at Illinois to finish up the season. So I want to start here. We can win every one of these games. Yes. Yep. I do not think we will win every one of these games. No. Um. I'm going to peg Northwestern at nine and three this year. I think the most likely losses are at Wisconsin, Iowa, and at Michigan. I fully believe we are a better team than Michigan, and I think we can win that game. Recent history against Michigan would would say otherwise, but recent history would also say that we get one of those other two, and then maybe we drop one somewhere, you know, I, like a stupid at Duke game, a stupid tight game against Nebraska, although that seems laughable after Saturday. <laughs> um, you know, like th- this is all assuming everybody stays healthy. And let me also repeat my comment earlier. This also assumes that our offense does a good job not turning the ball over. If we're, if we're minus 10 in net turnovers like we were in 2019, like throw this record out the window. I am making the assumption that we like are at least – even if not net positive on turnovers. So let me start there. But I think, you know, Illinois, Purdue, Minnesota, Rutgers, Nebraska, Ohio, Indiana State, and Michigan State. We are objectively better than all these teams. We're objectively better than Duke as well, but like at Duke has been a has been a, 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 a terrible situation for Northwestern many times and it just gives me the willies. Um but nine and three feels extremely attainable very reasonable to me. I know there's a lot of people saying eight and four, which, you know, kind of takes in a little bit of like the lose a game. We shouldn't lose win the rest of them that we should win. 
I get it. That makes sense. Um, but that's that's where I'm staking my claim. Nine wins this year. I'm like again. It's so so much consternation from members of the listener base about being like like you guys are setting us up to fail with this optimism, etc. Because I like. I'm trying to talk myself out of 10 and 2 here. I'm <laughs> I love I, it. I love it. I like the I the thought ra- a lot about it today and I was like I can't go 10 and 2. John's going to go 10 and 2. <laughs> the the rationale for lower than that for me is that I'm really worried about the running back core yeah. by yeah, the yeah. time we get to the back third of the season. Which that, is which is the hardest third, yeah. right? And, the Iowa and, at Wisconsin back to back, right? Yeah. Like we have to arrive it at, at Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue, Illinois with healthy backs, and that's you know it's it's tough. I mean, it, it should be not tough. Like teams with three backs in a rotation get through seasons all the time. It's just Northwestern's had a raw deal with this lately. Um, if if that happens and and we're loaded for bear, then you know I I think we're I think we are the better team in every game up until Iowa, and then that Iowa Wisconsin game those those games are toss ups. If we're healthy, I mean like they said, I mean I, I it's on stupid that the ceiling is twelve and zero. We could win every one of these games, um, but I'm yeah, worried. There's, there, there, there's no Ohio State on the schedule this year, right? Like, right. But I mean, I'm worried at Wisconsin might be the closest thing. I mean, it's not Ohio state, but at Wisconsin is going to be a tough. The, the, the the difference is that we have split the series with Wisconsin. Yeah. For as, as far back as the year 2000. Right. I think maybe even for, I think even if you go back to like 94, right. Yeah. But pretty close to even, but the home teams have dominated that. Yeah. Very true. Right. And, you know, and like you said, like Michigan's had our number, even the bad Michigan teams of late, we have we, not been able to get over the hump there. there we never that's... beat Brady Hoke, which is which is something that will like haunt me to a my grave. Travesty right? of epic proportions. They're a team that's going to have, you know, a great front three and great safeties. I mean, I, I, I will see where Michigan is when October 23 rolls around, because, again, it's like. The Scott Frost heat has started up. The Jim Harbaugh heat has not started up yet, but we going to oh, see. It, it but, started. But, yeah. the, Nebra- but the Nebraska started. fans are already calling for Nebraska to hire Jim Harbaugh. The crossing of the, <laughs> the, crossing of the streams has been incredible. Um, but yeah, I mean, I again, I'm like, I, 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 I'm like, I'm between nine and three and 10 and two. And you all are, are being like, you, you guys are effing crazy. I, the, if if we get something out of Hunter and the backs stay healthy, I don't see anything this team doesn't do well. And there are just no teams in the conference, very few. I mean, Wisconsin could get it together on offense, you know. Um, and, of course, like their defense is unbelievable. But, you know, I that Michigan game, that Iowa game, that Wisconsin game, and, of course, it's Northwestern. Like there's going to be something coming out of the of – the, some, something coming out somewhere that we're not going to see. So I wow. guess – I guess I'll finally settle at nine and three with Scott. No, no, dude, you should go ten and two. You should go ten and two. I want to. I want to caveat something you just said. You said get something out of Hunter. I want to put some. I want to put some numbers around that. Sixty percent completion and a two to one TD pick ratio or better. And we're gonna be. Oh, we're golden. great shape. I we're mean, great I'm, shape. So, if that's what so we get from Hunter, he, he does not need to be Peyton Manning. 
if I'm going ten and two, if he is Peyton Manning, that'd be pretty awesome. But so not holding I'm my go- breath on that. If I'm going ten and two, I am going to say we split with Iowa and Wisconsin. We beat Michigan, and we lose to someone else we shouldn't lose yeah, to. That's that's totally plausible. It's Minnesota, plausible. Purdue, like that's that's kind of where I'm coming down. I will say though, I mean, right now, again, like Duke was really bad last year. Nebraska's really bad this year. And if we can get through that Michigan State game, we could be in a situation where we're playing Rutgers coming off a bye at 5-0. and I mean, it's, it's getting the start right here. But if this team gets off to a good start and heads into this non-con with Nebraska and Rutgers on the other side of it, like... It ain't hard to talk yourself into a, you know, a team with, play, you know, a team full of guys who've won multiple Big West champions, right? Seniors and fifth-year seniors who've got, you know, they've won multiple trophies. Looking at these first six games and telling themselves they can't be six and zero when they travel to the Wolverines, like, sorry, like I like, they're yeah. Let's say it. I'll I'll say ten and two for for exactly those reasons. Do it absolutely. I'm I'm gonna go eight and four just because. Oh, I, no, no, I no. It. Hear me out. Hear me out. I, I was negative it. Nancy uh, last year as well. I I went a little under, just a little more conservative, and I'm happy to be wrong. I'm 100 happy That's to fair. be as wrong this year as I was last year. I'll I'll, I'll couch it a little bit. Fuck it. Nine and three. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I. In addition to the turnovers, I'll I'll throw one other thing out there that could be like concerning and that, you know, and and again, this comes from just all the interviews I've watched, all the articles I've read, the, the, the documentary that I've mentioned several times, like the likes of Greg Newsom and J.R. Pace and Peyton Ramsey, RCB, Riley Lees, like there was a there was a a very clear sense of purpose with this team last year. And, and you heard Fitz say it like, we will never have this record again at the end of 2019. We will never have it again. And this, this team had their sights set on a bigger prize months before the 2020 season was canceled, before it started up again, before the first down was played. And all those guys I just named are gone. There is still like they were they were drooling over the the super seniors on Illinois team um, this past weekend. I count eleven on our two deep, um, eleven super seniors on our two deep to start. Like let's you know there's there's still a great senior presence on this team. We mentioned Garrick, uh, Spivak. Um, there's there's plenty of leadership, but it became very clear there was like a sense of purpose and a, you know, a, a, a commitment to each other with all the COVID stuff and all the personal decisions and everything. There's a potential for a letdown, right? Mentally this year. Um, now that's where, you know, you look to a fits and that's where he sets the tone and he's been so good at it that, um, you know, you hope that doesn't happen, but that's like, it's the one other thing outside of, you know, turnovers and, and the and the, the thinness at, at, you know, running back and maybe a couple of O-line positions that, you know, could maybe be worrisome. It's the only thing that, that, that makes me look at like a, an eight and four or something worse. It would have to require a mental breakdown of that of that level. 
All right, so let's talk about the rest of the conference. Um, we've been uh, hinting at this all evening. Um, this past Saturday, Nebraska went to Illinois, laid an week, egg. Week zero, indeed. Week zero. Oh my god, it's the greatest possible outcome. Credit credit to um if if you don't listen to the shutdown full cast and you're a college football fan and you like funny people like you need to listen to the shutdown full cast um they're exceedingly irreverent but they're hysterical and they they dubbed um if you're familiar with the sickos meme they dubbed the Illinois Nebraska game as as like the sickos game of the week because of just the potential for exactly what happened and it was amazing yeah so thirty to twenty two Illinois wins um. It's because you, you pegged it. Brandon Peters went out. Arthur Sitkowski came in, and Illinois' offense looked better. I will say, like, so So in my preview, I talked about Sitkowski was better at Rutgers than, everybody, than anybody gave him credit for. I, you know, I think it's hysterical that he ended up at Illinois. Um, but, yes, he's a more talented quarterback than, than Peters, and he demonstrated that in spades. And it kind of, like, it's the only thing that happened on Saturday that kind of shook me. I was like, oh, God, like that- – that like, Illinois offense actually be okay now. Like, well, so that 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 was one to me. Their use of Isaiah Williams, I thought, was very good, um, and he's fast. Although we expected that, right? We expected we did. that. We did. Like, he's just he was one of those guys that you know he was. It's uh, hey hey Nebraska. This is what happens when you have a super fast quarterback who's not going to get on the field, and you find a way to utilize him next yeah. to the guy who is starting <laughs> at quarterback. Uh, but that's just piling oh on Nebraska at this point. And, um, and, and by the way, it's not at running back lovey Smith. Right. Yeah. Right. So, and so with that said, like Illinois offense looked frisky and dangerous for sure. But you know, Illinois offense has looked pretty frisky and pretty dangerous. A bunch of the times we've played them over the recent years, their defense still didn't show me. Yeah. Their, their offense ain't the problem. Like yeah. their, their defense and the idea that like, yeah, like Nebraska scored 22 points. I mean, what Ill- even? What well, Illinois' even? defense benefited from such things as Nebraska's offense runs a screen, except for Adrian <laughs> Martinez. I, that was I was. I mean, we put that up on Twitter. I that's a team that date. I mean, I how does that happen? They just well, didn't know I'll, what I'll tell you how doing. that happens. Bad coaching. I mean, right. you could yeah, see bad yeah, coaching yeah. all over that Nebraska team the entire game it's, from the safety. You know, catching the ball going backwards on the one yard line, trying to trying to stop your momentum, turning around, throwing it forward. Like, what the hell? I, I'm just like, and and the thing is too, like we talked in the Nebraska preview about they they have good. I mean, on defense, I mean they have good players handcuffed to this crap team, and it's just like you saw their their linebackers are good. You saw good linebacker play out of them. And you got the full Adrian Martinez experience. Oh my gosh. You can sum the guy up in one game where it's like he simultaneously is making devastating mistakes and also generating the only offense they had the entire game. And it's just like... You you said that he's like simultaneously... they're like the only thing they have going and they're their their biggest problem right um, it's like the only now, thing worse than being chained to him is what whatever whatever would happen to nebraska if he gets hurt because i yeah. don't well and i if, i just like let, let's I, say not let's not say if let's say when because i know it's there how many times God, he took he took even so, in that so many hits, hits he didn't have to I he could have slid God. like five times instead he lowered it's, his shoulder it is he is the same guy now he was the first game of his freshman year and yeah. it's just like 
it's to the, the theme we mentioned earlier. Some guys just don't change. They are who they are. And he is that guy. Uh, and we have, you know, four years of evidence of it. And, you know, gave up a, a brutal fumble. That's what he does. Broke broke loose for a 75-yard touchdown run. That's what he does. It's just like, it's that's the Taylor Martinez. But whatever. I mean, Nebraska just I, I, looks. I will say Nebraska's receiver court was um... – more more talented than i than i expected now they're all you know they're all new to the team and frost has a notoriously difficult like you know maybe this is why he couldn't adapt to illinois three four because uh he hadn't taught any of the the three floor block three floor three four scheme blocking techniques to his brand new wide receivers i mean this is a a program problem that it's been a revolving door at that position and so they have no tenure and no you know context or um or it's, you know historical knowledge within the team but um but the fact that they like they have a big fast physical receiver core and that's you know going to be an asset for them if they can get their heads out of their butts as coaches and figure out how to use it it is by no means guaranteed that frost is the coach of nebraska when they play northwestern by Truth. no means they have fordham coming up which will be a win then they have to play a well, good buffalo should be a win if they if they right. work it up to Fordham, Frost is uh, gone the next day. They'll that, be fired. They're not going to lose to yeah, Fordham. They're not going to lose to Fordham. Uh, but if but Buffalo, like that could happen. If that happens, he's on fire watch any point that point on because they're probably well, and then they get go they go to Oklahoma and get curb stopped in Norman. Yes. They're going to lose like seventy to nothing. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and at any point from that point on, he could be canned. Um, so yeah, it's there. I mean, yeah, it was you know. You always get those things that, as you know, Illinois is our hated rival. You get a little bit worried seeing some things, but yeah, who doesn't like my, seeing Nebraska my, my be an absolute train wreck? It's 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 glorious. Uh, my official prediction is um, post Minnesota on October sixteenth, going into the bye week. Um, that's the swan song for Frost, but we'll see. I mean, the bye week does you know make the most sense. It's it's a twenty million dollar buyout this year. Oh my god! Whoa. Well, and you know what? I was just looking at the schedule. I was like, "Well, what does that get you?" Because you get Purdue on October thirtieth, and then you have to play Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa. So, like, what's uh, the point? Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, unless they really try to, you know, make these these uh, you know, sanctions if if they get the NCAA to come after him for the, you know, these off field transgressions uh, fire, fire I mean, with cause right yeah I mean, the, the thing the thing is like these yeah, okay yeah practicing off campus during the middle of covid when that was expressly prohibited yeah that's bad you shouldn't do it that's i don't know that that's fireable you know having well, your if, having your analysts on the field uh if, if it's coaching. in the co- if it's the, in the contract, there though, right, will be that, there will be lawyers. If it that's thinks, true, they, yeah. If they think they can get him out of millions of dollars they owe him, then they'll and, play that for all it's worth. And don't you wonder who who notified the NCAA about those, <laughs> yeah. uh, those situations? Yeah. I know. It's, yeah, as as they said on the solid verbal, a call has come from inside the house. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so, all right. So we yeah. look at some schedule here going forward. Yeah. So. This week, I mean, there is there are some fun fun games this week, uh, starting on Thursday with Ohio State traveling to Minnesota. I I, mean, I guess Rutgers Temple is, is Thursday as well. Who cares? <laughs> uh, Rutgers, just... Rutgers is a fourteen point favorite again. Who cares? 
Ohio State, Minnesota. That'll be fun. I so I want. We talked about this early. I want to to believe in Minnesota here. Um, I just I don't know. I I I just don't know. Like if if Tanner Morgan somehow has a game they will talk about in Minneapolis twenty years from now, then Minnesota could put something together here. But I think as they're going to want to do most of the season, Minnesota's going to want to do it with Ibrahim, and that is not playing to Ohio State's weaknesses. And I don't know how the hell Minnesota stops whatever Ohio State's going to be trying to do offensively. So, I'm, yeah. I mean, the hope for Minnesota is sell out against the run and C.J. Stroud struggles in his sure. first game, right? Sure, right, like that, right, right. Th- that's the hope. The problem is, is like they, they they don't really have much to sell out with. That's the issue. Yeah, <laughs> and and you, and you kind of wish like I mean Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. They don't have anybody who can stay on the field with those guys, and no. so you got it like. You gotta hope that Stroud is discombobulated and feels pressure. It's you know he's he's starting on the road like like similar to what we talked about with Michigan State. Like they've got to just come after him and hard. The problem is that I don't know how they stop Master Teague and Trayvon Henderson to they like don't, they force don't. CJ Stroud to they, do anything. They don't. Those guys will gain. You know, remember the average running back gained over six yards per carry against Minnesota last year. So I think that's at least what these guys can do. Yeah, I'm just. A good, you know, let's see some magic in Minneapolis on, you know, on a, a Thursday night to start the season. And right, maybe they p- pick up a couple of turnovers. I'll be curious just for data points, right, just to watch Ohio State's run defense going against Minnesota's run offense. And let's just see what we have there from both of those teams. It's just yeah. those are things that'll be good to learn going forward. Aside from that, I don't expect that to be much of a game. Yeah, I, I expect Ibrahim and that offensive, that Minnesota offensive line to do well against Ohio State, but like. I don't expect them to outperform the Ohio State, you know, running industrial complex. Uh, Our game on Friday, we've talked about uh, at length going to Saturday. Penn State at Wisconsin, 11 o'clock Central on Fox. What a game. I can't believe this is an 11 a.m. game, but what a game. It's Fox News Saturday. That's where Fox is putting their their premier games Yep. on on the 11 o'clock slot. It's this is, such a good game. I'm just Wisconsin like, I, a five and a half point favorite. Whew. Yeah, I mean that seems. I mean, and honestly, a lot of that has to do with the way Penn State's season went last year. But again, I just, Wisconsin's season went last year too. Let's not forget. Sure, right. I, I mean, mean, I think, like, I I think everybody believes that um, Wisconsin's quarterback, whose name I'm blanking on right now. Uh, you know, struggled last year, COVID, Grammars, right? Grammars. Struggled with COVID. Maybe he was injured, like, like yada, 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 right? But we still need ev- to see Graham Mertz have a good game against a great defense. We're we, we do. And also, Sean Clifford struggled a lot last year for yeah. Penn State and put up much better numbers than Graham Mertz. So, like, if they both bounce back slash improve, what does that tell you? Yeah. I mean, these are. Wisconsin is the best defense in the Big Ten, but Penn State could be top three, like if all their pieces come together. Like I think last year helped is gonna help pave the way for that. And I mean these are Well these are well just, Penn State has just, Penn State has actual receivers, which Wisconsin right. does not. These are uh, you know, I'll I'm I think we've talked about this before. I'm gonna give it to Wisconsin because it's in what is gonna be an absolutely batshit camp ramp. Oh, it's gonna be bananas. First and, game back, high noon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
this is gonna be, it'll be insane. So I mean, yeah. so here's a here's a question because obviously, like, I apologize. This is way off way off the, the way off track here, but like, you know, for the Big Ten certainly, and and other other areas of college football, like pretty much everybody's gonna have full stadiums, right? Like maybe not Pac-12, but um, pretty much everyone's gonna have full stadiums. It's the first time anybody's had full stadiums in college, and I anticipate it's going to be kind of like emotional and a big and a big F oh, deal. Yeah, and that's absolutely. kind of like yeah. that despite was... the fact that we haven't really like solved the whole COVID issue yet. Um, no, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be unchained at Camp Randall. Yeah, yeah, I think, and that's the thing, right? It's that emotional aspect of it, which is going to apply to a lot of places too. I mean, we haven't even gotten. It's funny that game's so good that you you know forget that there's another phenomenal Big Ten game the same day, but. That's right. Uh, Western Michigan. Go into yeah, Ann Arbor. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Go throw hey, the boat. Hey, can Western, yeah. Whatever. Oh, wait, trademark infringement. Sorry. Yep, 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 yep. Can um, Western Michigan throw? Because, you know, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Fordham at Nebraska, we mentioned that. Uh, yeah. Whatever, cool. Indiana at Iowa. This is another Man. just yeah. This is, this I can't is believe that I can't believe there's a doubleheader like this the, in the Big Ten. What a what a set. What a slip. And the fact and the fact that like our game is on Friday, so we can just watch both of these. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm gonna be hanging with uh, with Gopher fan K Hawk. Nice. Um, I'm pretty excited about that. But yeah, but both of us will be you know off the off the ledge um, by the time we come to Saturday. So that's just. This is another just what an awesome game. Um, I'll tell you, it's going to be a real test for Iowa's offense. Um, they're going to find out what they've got right off the bat. Um, and, you know, I think, like, if you ask me, I think Indiana's the better team if all if everything clicks for them. But these are both two great football teams. And it's just, it's just going to be an awesome game and a, a massive opportunity for Indiana, but they're on the road again in what is going to be an absolutely insane Kinnick stadium. And, and ultimately Indiana at the end of the day, the start of their season so hard, but they know that their bread is, is buttered in the East. So it's a massive game for them. Um, it's a massive test for both of these teams. They're going to learn a lot about themselves. It's, it's ultimately not a make or break situation for either. It's just an awesome game. I was a three and a half point favorite going into that one. Uh, we got West Virginia at Maryland. Okay, cool, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oregon State at Purdue. And uh, that's one of those ones where it's like Purdue. You need to show out in that. Game. Yeah, they like, they need like they really do need to show something. They're a seven point favorite at home, but if they can't, are they really? Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. I don't know anything about Oregon State, but like, oh boy, that's a, that's. I mean, we we talked about like what you know, what a hard schedule this year it is for Purdue for them to you know, keep keep uh, young Jeff Brome alive. Um, or Oregon State now that I look is picked to be last in the Pac-12 by Phil Steele, so maybe yeah. this is can I not the problem that wait I, I, you know can I before we get to the next game can I I'll, let me just grab my bullhorn real quick. Let down game. <laughs> uh, UTSA, the Roadrunners of Texas San Antonio, heading they to Champaign. Were, they were good last year. They Don't were. Forget. Um, I, just, I haven't heard anything. Riding so high right now. 
they, they, I mean, they better like back it up, right? Because if if they struggle against UTSA, then all of a sudden, like all of that goodwill kind of goes out the window. But if they struggle against UTSA, then Nebraska fans are going to go apoplectic. That that would be where I mean this is this completes <laughs> Can't lose. This, it completes the cycle. We need UTSA to beat Illinois now and just make it all perfection. Really, um, yeah. ha- have we heard anything uh, about Brandon Peters? I mean, I he was his arm was in a sling, bad. but I haven't yeah. I haven't seen anything. Yeah, it's it a good question. Bad. I have I haven't either. Um, I would imagine they're rolling with Sipkowski from this point on, though. I mean, they sh- they should. Uh, they should. I've, I've talked a lot 15 about fifteen for one twenty four and two touchdowns. He I threw mean, one great looking deep ball. Um, last year, last year in twenty twenty, Sitkowski was a significantly better quarterback for Rutgers than Peters was for Illinois. Like bar none. Like sixty three percent completion versus forty nine percent completion. Right. I think what we'll see is is UTSA. Albeit at a smaller conference, has a very functioning offense. Yes, and Illinois is kind of you know had it handed to them last week. So so we'll see. The, the really interesting thing about that 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 Illinois Nebraska game, I was stunned at how much difficulty Illinois had running the ball. Um, they really did not generate much offense. I mean, you know, we we talked in our preview about their offensive line. The running back depth, you know, using Isaiah Williams on those jet sweeps, et cetera. And they really struggled to run the ball. Like even like late in the game, you know, Nebraska's defense was was pretty worn down and Illinois was able to, you know, grind out some clock, but they didn't like, you know, they didn't put a stamp on the game by, you know, you know, executing some eighty yard, you know, fourteen play drive to to put the game away. I mean, they had to rely on Nebraska's ineptness to right. put the game away, right? Yep. And like it's kind of it's kind of inconceivable to me that they really struggled that much, given the talent they have on O line, the talent they have in the backfield, and the, and the coach that they have, and how good he is at coaching the run. If that doesn't improve at UTSA, like that's a giant red flag for Illinois. But that's also why I think they should just come out and be able to steamroll the Roadrunners and keep that you know really solid offense off the field. We'll see though. I mean, if they struggle again there, and UTSA is able to get up a little bit, and Illinois has to throw, I don't know. Could get fun. Let's go. Let's fun go for UTSA. Us. A um, couple other fun national games. I mean, Clemson, Georgia. Come on. Yeah, what a, I mean, what a massive matchup. Um, huge game. I mean, it's a huge opportunity for Georgia. Um, what's the I line hate, on I that? I hate one? rooting for Kirby Smart, but, you know. Yeah, it's Clemson by three. It's a neutral site game in the, at the Panthers Stadium in Charlotte. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it's a that's an awesome game. Um, DJ... Uh, I'll only butcher butcher. Uliangalale. There you go. You guys are all over it. Yeah. Um, Kind of be his coming out party. Um, I expect that he's probably going to have a great day and that'll make the difference. Awesome. But again, it's a massive, massive game. I mean, for all of us who are so football starved, and like you said, um, hopefully, hopefully we'll be in a good place mentally come Saturday and then we get to enjoy all of this. But yeah, what a, what a game. Um, yeah, I mean, like Texas and Louisiana. I love that. That's a ranked. That that's two ranked teams. Um, it annoys Texas me. is ranked twenty one. I know. I know. It's. Uh, I wish Louisiana was ranked higher. But let's go, Rage and Cajuns. Um, again, I should mention. I said it already. 
Raging Cajuns, 23rd, could beat Texas in this game. Barely by a whisker beat UTSA in their bowl game last year. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, um, Cincinnati, number eight at home against Miami, Ohio. I mean, should be a runaway for them, but it'll be fun to see will, the Bearcats. Will, in will be. Will be a runaway. Miami yeah. of Ohio is is barely a football team. That's going to be one of those games where, yeah, Natty is. I mean, Natty's got everything to play for this season, and that's a style they, point game. They are take take the over, whatever it is. Fifty point five is Cincinnati yeah. is salty. Let me tell yeah. you from somebody on the ground in the Queen City, Cincinnati is salty. We know how that is. So, yep. Uh, I mean that that Cincinnati IU game in week three. It's in Bloomington, but um, my if, goodness. If game day is going, not there, I'll be surprised. It is going to be um, electric, and uh, the Bearcats are going to leave absolutely everything on the field. It'll be really interesting. Bama, Miami? Uh, is that's, Miami really number 14? They, they, they're number like, 14. I don't understand it. Uh, Bama's an 18.5-point favorite. I, I see them covering that easily. I, I predict Alabama takes seven points off of Miami's ranking this week. Yeah, I I would uh, agree with that. I think, you know, Miami is one of those teams that's kind of trick-or-treat, but this is Alabama we're talking about. I think they're going to handle Miami. Uh, any other big games you guys are looking at? I mean, the, 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 Florida the only State other Notre one Dame wanna... could be interesting. I mean, not that interesting, could, but, could... like, it, it'll, be, it'll be fun because, like, first game after Bobby Bowden died, I mean, it's too that's traditional, true. like – who, blue, who uh, who's Florida State's coach again? Uh, Mike Norvell. Oh, that's right. Mike I Norvell. didn't even know that. Wow, I, like, I totally forgot Florida about Mike State Norvell. Is, oh, Florida State, boy. Florida State, Nebraska. Wow. Yeah. Those two teams should be playing each other this week. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't but, think that game is going to be that interesting, honestly. But um, I mean, we'll, not, we'll, not, we'll from, see. not from an on-the-field you know, perspective, but just like yeah. – but you know, hey, we'll first, see. First you know, game after Bobby Bowden died, you know, the, you got the, two traditional football powerhouses playing. The, well, and there's some juice in the Florida State Notre Dame, you know, um, experience, right? Like, yeah. Uh, it's not Catholics but, versus convicts, but it's, it's adjacent. There, there's to history that. there. there there's, there's history. Yeah, 100%. I was going to point at LSU USC because U- UCLA. Um, or UCLA because uh, as UCLA was whooping up on, on hapless Hawaii last weekend. Um, people were talking about how you know they were going to give LSU a game, and I just don't know that that's a thing that's going to happen. Yeah, the, no, I don't. The only don't think so. the only way I could see that happening is if LSU's heads aren't a hundred percent there because uh, of the hurricane. I mean, yeah, possibly. They're, they're in Fair. Houston. They're in Houston right now, like for the week. And um, game, before, games in California, so yes, it is. So you know, they're they're in Houston. They travel to California. I can't imagine that their heads won't be in there, but like. There is the small chance, like there might not be a hundred percent there. Yeah, but uh, you know, yeah, UCLA thumped on Hawaii. Dorian Thompson Robinson did not look great, but Zach Charbonnet, six carries, one hundred and six yards, and three touchdowns. Wow, is that, that, is that was... Zach Charbonnet's music? Wow, Zach Charbonnet was pretty good for Michigan last year, and Hawaii doesn't play a defense, so yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I think that that's that's kind of the the big games to to keep an eye on this weekend. Um, God, it's game so week, stoked. guys! Oh it's, my god, feels Friday good. Night. It is. Yeah, Friday everyone, night. hey, come see us in the West Lot. The we'll be there. The pirate flag will be up. Um, come find us. Sam and I will both be there. I mean, it's 
we're as stoked as, as we sound like we are. And we know a lot of you guys are too. And, you know, we just over the past couple of years and during the, the entire pandemic stretch when none of us were able to get together, um, we built up a lot more listenership, um, made a lot more friends. Um, and we're really hoping to get a chance to see a lot of you Friday. So let's do it up. Uh, also on Thursday, uh, check out NU, NU football recruiting, NUFB recruiting on Twitter. Post, he's going to be hosting kind of a live Q and a, we might try to jump in there. Um, just, you know, fun time. Somebody who's super dialed into the program to the recruiting, but like talks to coaches has, you know, has insider information that should be, uh, that should be pretty interesting and fun. Like I said, we're, we might try to jump in there as well. Um, you know, get get your uh wet wet your appetite um for friday with uh with some menu centric uh deep dives on thursday night um real quick uh and you know i don't want to spend too much time on it but uh we had a big basketball uh signing today rowan brumbaugh uh top 100 point guard uh out of the dc area commits to it- northwestern over offers from Kansas and Texas. This is I don't, I don't understand. Our our <laughs> it's difficult to even wrap our brains around this at this point in time right now. He's such a massive recruit. It his offer list was as strong as any basketball recruit I can remember Northwestern signing. The teams we beat for him are just insane. It runs in the face of Northwestern's on-court performance for many years now. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's obviously, it's a huge deal. He's a massive ball dom, you know, ball. He's a massive point guard, um, big frame with, with major talent, top 100 player in the country. Yeah. Picked us over Kansas. Um, and yeah, it's just, there's so much to process and this happened in a week when our minds are so locked in on football. Like, don't worry. Down the road, we will digest this. We will get into this in, in much more detail. It's a massive deal. It's a huge deal for Northwestern basketball. It's just, it's it's so difficult now of all weeks to even put this in context. <sighs> so, come see us on Friday. Uh, love to see it. Kickoff, 8, eight o'clock central. Uh, ESPN, you know, be the only game in town. Uh, hopefully North Carolina and Virginia tech wrap it up in a timely fashion. So that the beginning of that game doesn't get preempted. Um, you know, otherwise you'd have to like find it on ESPN news or something, whatever. But, uh, if you're there at Ryan field this Friday, come find John and I, um, and yeah, football's back, baby. And, and we're back too. like, we're able to go to a game for the first time in two years. And that's just so exciting. Yeah. Fantastic. Can't wait to be up in our seats making this happen. It's Absolutely. It's the best. Uh, so we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pirates, And you can email us, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the west side of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scasby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.